Welcome back to another podcast episode of Veteran Oversight Now, the official podcast of the VA Office of Inspector General. I'm your host, Fred Baker. Each month, we will bring you highlights of the VAOIG's recent oversight activities and interview key stakeholders in the office's critical work for veterans. Today, I'll be talking with Dr. Julie Kroviak, the Principal Deputy Assistant Inspector General for the Office of Healthcare Inspections. Dr. Kroviak is not new to the podcast. Last February, she came on the program to discuss the new Vet Center Inspection Program. And in September of last year, she joined the program to discuss staffing shortages in VHA. If you haven't already, I encourage you to go to our podcast page or wherever you listen to podcasts and give them a listen. Uh, Welcome, Dr. Kroviak. Thank you, Fred. Dr. Kroviak, uh, we're here to talk about some uh, proactive changes in in, health care's oversight. Uh, But before we get to that, give the listeners a general overview of the primary oversight products your directorate produces. Yeah, I think most people, um, certainly our staff, are familiar that OHI publishes hotlines and national reviews, and we have some specialty teams that focus on really important topics specific to mental health, uh, women's health, and community care. We put out about 60 to 65 of these reports annually, and they target very specific issues that are usually prompted by credible allegations that made us want to look deeper. Um, because we thought they had the chance to influence care across the system. But then we have our proactive cyclical reviews. So the Comprehensive Healthcare Inspection Program, we call them CHIPS, reviews of the VISN, and then our newer VET Center reviews. And we're also piloting a new mental health cyclical review, and we um, hope to get those teams on the road later this spring. These reviews typically focus on healthcare topics that are really important to the populations that are being served. So, you know, for vet centers, we're looking at issues that clients who come into the vet center, what they need and how that's being delivered. And for uh, reviews at the CHIP, for the CHIP, we're looking at facility um, care levels. So inefficiencies, um, things that negatively influence care, but really looking to make sure VHA is following their own policies and directives. So it's my understanding, and what we've come here to talk about today, uh, is that there are some upcoming changes to the approach of some of your work. Uh, which products are, are, are changing, and, and how are they going to change? Yeah, so the change leading the charge are the CHIPS. Um, so those are the facility-level reviews, and those have been designed to be a traditional compliance-based review. And the topics, again, are specific to trends that we're noting in other products or trends in healthcare in general. And we conduct those with facility visits, data review, and interviews of staff. We pick topics for those reviews that are critical to making sure that operations are safe and efficient. And we rotate subtopics that will hit on issues that really matter in the current, you know, time of healthcare or related, like I said, to other products that we're looking at that have hit on this repeatedly that we think we need to look at it across the system. And, and these have been pretty critical to your to your oversight work, correct? Stakeholders and VHA seem to rely on these reports. Very much so. You know, we're never welcomed as friends there, but that's the nature of oversight. But it is really important. We've got a presence on site. We're interacting with staff. We're reviewing data. We basically hand them a roadmap of where they need to focus. But it's always been very heavy on compliance. And 
we know that means we're missing some good local stories. You know, Boston's not Topeka, Topeka's not Grand Junction, but when you really take a strict compliance-based approach, you're gonna miss a lot of the local context. Um, CHIPS over the past couple years, they have been doing more in-depth leadership interviews. So the change has been brewing because we've been getting a lot of good, interesting information for those interviews that we'd like to capture more so. Um, COVID also highlighted some of the challenges and the resiliencies associated with certain areas in VHA and across healthcare. So that gave us more impotence to provide some local context to our stories. And before we talk a little bit more about how the product itself will change, this also means that the teams will will change the way they approach this work. How 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 will that change? So everything's going to be different, but the staff performing. Um, these reviews and they are incredibly motivated um, to really get out there and do this work in a different way. But we're going to start with a glimpse of the community that the facility operates in and that's totally new. We, we've never done anything like that. But giving the reader a sense of who's living in this community, what's the education level, what's the income level, the disease burden, active duty and veteran populations, all of these sort of or really influence how care is delivered. And we wanna present that in a reader-friendly kind of glimpse so you can understand what's influencing care and the veterans served in that community. If, if these products have been, you know, as valuable as, as, uh, as oversight products and stakeholders have come to rely on them, uh, wh why the change? What, wh why rethink it? So healthcare is nothing but a dynamic set of activities that need to be coordinated. It's a limited resource, so every penny has to be scrutinized to make sure that it yields the highest quality. Change is the only constant in healthcare. And you know, we put repeat findings in reports. Does that mean the system's not responding? Or maybe oversight isn't responding to the dynamic way in which healthcare is evolving? I get the resistance, you know, there's always, this is how we always do it, or this is our bread and butter, but we have to lose that behavior in our oversight approach. If healthcare is always changing and it's always working towards better outcomes and improving efficiencies, we have to do the same. Okay, so let's, uh, let's talk specifics. Uh, these reviews have kind of centered around uh, identified topics. Uh, now you're calling them domains. What's what's different and what's that look like? So we're really changing the culture of how we do the work too. So you'll notice there'll be some name changes. And I think the title is going to change too. But domains really imply what we were doing before in terms of choosing a topic. We're just calling them domains now. And we'll have subtopics within those domains as well. Um, as an example, environment of care. That really isn't changing in terms of the title. How we're going to look at that is a little bit different because even in this um, predictable component of an oversight tool, we want to describe a connection between the safety elements we're inspecting and the actual patient care. So why are repeat hap uh, findings happening? Why are work orders not completed from previous findings? What would that mean to a patient getting care in that particular setting? We want to build and bridge that connection. So environment of care you have uh, and patient safety. Uh, wh what are some of the other domains? Um, so the final domains get really specific to challenges that are unique to providing health care to veterans. So I have an incredible enthusiasm for that as a former VA provider. 
I like to think about how these reports could have supported me in that role. I also feel these can push healthcare oversight into brand new territories, territories that can change how our stakeholders use us and actually learn to rely on our participation. So starting with my passion, which is primary care, um, we'll have a whole domain that focuses just on primary care. VHA uses this PACT model to deliver care to enrolled veterans. And PACT is a primary aligned, or sorry, patient aligned care team. The goal is to give continuity of care through a team relationship. So the veteran communicates and coordinates with their primary care team. This is the hub of everything for a veteran to get access into the system. So not just primary care, but, hey, what happened to my dermatology appointment? I need this paperwork completed. They sent me out for community care, but I haven't heard from that provider yet about an appointment. Primary care is the pulse of the veterans care, but also of the facility. And it has to have a strong rhythm to meet these veterans and their multidisciplinary needs. And you seem to be hitting on the idea that uh, in certain aspects, healthcare for, for veterans is inherently different. Providing healthcare for veterans is inherently different. Am I understanding that correctly? Absolutely. So we know veterans have unique military experiences that creates unique needs and the system has to be responsive to that. Um, VHA has customized tools and multidisciplinary resources, almost imagine triggers that initiate a cascade of evidence-based supports to veterans, um, particularly in high-risk groups, whether it's a high-risk socioeconomic group or a high-risk clinical group. Backstage, we call these safety nets. So the next domain, um, right now, we're calling it vet veteran-centered safety nets. So think how a, is a facility use, utilizing resources that are foundational to veterans' care? We call them social determinants of health, and they do influence the outcomes for all patients. Let's talk about social work, high-risk mental health, homelessness, everything that is in place to take care of the most vulnerable population. Electronic health record modernization and community care, those are uh, frequent topics for OHI reports, uh, showing massive change in how veterans are going to receive their care in the future. Uh, will these new cyclical reviews touch on, on those? So I can't imagine how they won't. We don't have domains specific to them, but if I could introduce now this domain that we're calling culture. It's the culture of a facility. How, uh, how do we um, explore this? We're going to ask two basic questions. Do I want to work here? And do I want to receive care here? VHA needs the answer to both of those questions to be yes. This domain will support leaders to see where they need to focus efforts to get to the yes. So if I circle back to your EHR and community care, um, I can't imagine that within this topic and actually other domains as well, we'll pick up noise, the good and the bad, because these massive undertakings strongly influence care, staffing, a lot of decision-making at the facility level. And if I could just add, we actually have a whole separate product line that's being built right now to look at community care. It's a massive topic. There are big issues going on, so it is certainly worthy of its own product line. Sure, sure. Uh, another big issue, and you mentioned this at the start, if you don't mind, talk about piloting a new mental health cyclical review this spring. Can you just give us a little preview of what that will look like? Yeah, so um, they've, are, they've done a ton of research, the team, and what we're focusing on first is inpatient, so the provision of inpatient mental health care. We've never done anything like this to where we're looking at 
mental health specifically in a cyclical format. And we're hoping to have some really good roll-up data as well. Um, I can't imagine this product line won't expand um, into the outpatient mental health realm. But, you know, using this as the pilot, I, I imagine it will bring about a wide variety of cyclical mental health reviews. Well, great. Dr. Kroviak, is there anything else you'd like to add about these, uh, the, these new uh, uh, reviews? So beyond my enthusiasm and gratitude <laughs> to the team that is not only finishing up the previous reviews, but brainstorming and really applying so much innovation and creative energy, um, I, I really look forward to getting these out and um, really supporting what is ultimately our goal to improve healthcare to veterans. Dr. Kruak, thank you so much for being with us today. Uh, the Office of Healthcare Inspection certainly is leaning forward with respect to veteran uh, healthcare oversight. Uh, I can't wait to have you back and discuss these products in the future. Thank you so much. And now I'll turn it over to our co-host, Mary Station, for our monthly highlights. Thanks, Fred. Now some highlights of the work the VA OIG accomplished in February 2023. VA Inspector General Michael J. Missel testified before a hearing of the House Veterans Affairs Committee on February 28th. The hearing focused on enhancing accountability at the VA. Mr. Missel spoke about OIG reports that emphasized the need for a strong governance structure and clarity of roles and responsibilities, adequate and qualified staffing, updated information technology systems and business processes, effective quality assurance and monitoring, and stable leadership. Mr. Missile also answered questions regarding OIG findings on military sexual trauma coordinators, processing of Camp Lejeune benefit claims, and the effect of leadership in promoting accountability. As always, you can find the written testimony on our website under the Media tab, and we've included a link to the committee's website in the February monthly highlights available under the Publications tab if you'd like to watch a recording of the hearing. Next, some updates on recent investigations. In the first update, a VA OIG investigation resulted in charges alleging the owner and certifying official of a non-college degree school conspired to submit fraudulent information to conceal the school's non-compliance with the rules and regulations of the post-9-11 GI Bill program. Between September 2012 and August 2018, VA paid more than $17.8 million to the school. The school has since withdrawn from the post-9-11 GI Bill program. The defendants were indicted in the District of New Hampshire on charges of conspiring to submit a false claim and a false statement. In the second update, the director of a career school entered into a settlement agreement to resolve allegations of falsely certifying that the school had been operating for more than two years in order to obtain approval to enroll post-9-11 GI Bill students. The director allegedly provided fictitious documents. The loss to VA is approximately $2.3 million. The director and the school were ordered in the Western District of Texas to pay over $9 million in damages and civil penalties under the False Claims Act. The case was investigated by the VAOIG. The last investigative update I'll share involves threats made by a veteran. An incarcerated veteran threatened employees at VA and a nonprofit organization after he received a notification from VA that, per policy, his monetary benefits would be reduced during his incarceration. 
The veteran was sentenced in the District of Massachusetts to 14 months imprisonment and three years supervised release after previously pleading guilty to the interstate transmission of a threatening communication. The VAOIG, Federal Bureau of Prisons, and FBI conducted the investigation. Now for published reports. The OIG published eight in February. This includes financial efficiency inspections of the VA Palo Alto Healthcare System in California and the Northern Arizona VA Healthcare System, as well as a CHIP report on the Memphis VA Medical Center in Tennessee. VA OIG also published the report, Security and Incident Preparedness at VA Medical Facilities. VA is responsible for securing 171 medical facilities nationwide. Persistent police staffing shortages and concerns about serious incidents led the OIG to conduct a review to provide VA leaders with a snapshot of conditions they observed. The OIG teams assessed whether 70 VA facilities had established minimum security plans and taken required actions per VA policy. The OIG identified multiple security vulnerabilities and deficiencies. These included staffing challenges contributing to the lack of a visible and active police presence and insufficient security personnel resources, such as suitable police operations rooms, operable surveillance cameras with consistent monitoring, and adequate equipment. Additional measures were also needed for target hardening, such as securing doors and restricting access to high-risk areas. Our teams also found that facilities could improve communication with local law enforcement and incident readiness trainings. VA concurred with OIG's six recommendations related to police staffing and other measures to improve vulnerabilities in security and incident preparedness. For more information, you can check out a recent Veteran Oversight Now podcast episode, where host Fred Baker spoke with Sean Steele, whose team worked on this report. This podcast episode can be found on all major podcast providers like Apple and Spotify or on the VA OIG website under the Media tab. In another report, the OIG reviewed concerns related to the patient safety program at the Tuscaloosa VA Medical Center and the oversight provided. Among the issues, failures to timely finalize approximately 160 patient safety incident reports, required patient safety root cause analyses, and risk assessments. The former patient safety manager partially attributed deficiencies to lack of support, supervisory engagement, and resources. Although the facility's organizational structure permitted multiple pathways for oversight of the patient safety program, there were missed opportunities to identify or mitigate gaps in the program. The OIG concluded a lack of action by facility leaders is partly the cause for these missed opportunities. VA concurred with the OIG's 11 recommendations related to patient safety event reporting, program oversight, and accountability. For more information about these and other reports published in February, as well as recent updates to other investigations, go to our website at va.gov forward slash OIG and select reports under the publications tab. That's it for this episode of Veteran Oversight Now. Listen to past episodes wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for tuning in.
This has been an official podcast of the VA Office of Inspector General. Veteran Oversight Now is produced by the Office of Communications and Public Affairs and is available at va.gov forward slash OIG. Tune in monthly to hear how the VA OIG serves veterans, their families, and caregivers through meaningful independent oversight. Check out the website for more on the VA OIG oversight mission, read current reports, and keep up to date on the latest criminal investigations. Report potential crimes related to VA, waste or mismanagement, potential violations of laws, rules or regulations, or risks to patients, employees, or property to the OIG online or call the hotline at 1-800-488-8244. If you are a veteran in crisis or concerned about one, call the Veterans Crisis Line at 1-800-273-8255. Press 1 and speak with a qualified responder now.